hello everyone. Welcome out to episode 356. I'm Nick Argenbright. I wasn't sure if this was going to go up last week or if this was going up this week. And either way, it, it kind of happened last minute. It wasn't initially planned on the docket, so to speak. I'm a big Rocky and Boinkle fan, obviously, because I, I do the Magically Unauthorized Misadventures of Rocky and Boinkle. But um, I really uh, love the fandom of Rocky and Boinkle. I feel is awesome because it really hits that whole classic. Uh, the fandom is, is, is kind of all over the map, and it, it hits that classic love of cartoons, which I really love. Um, and I have a deep appreciation for Yeah, so I, I'm on the Facebook group. Uh, I think it's called... And it, it, they call themselves the official fan club. It's 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 Moose and Squirrel, the official fan club of Rocky and Boinkle and Friends. Um, you get to interact with a lot of cool people. And one of them is the artist of the new Rocky and Boinkle comic book by American Mythology. And I've seen him post a few times here and there, and I, I thought nothing of it. Not that I thought nothing of it. I'm talking about, like, in terms of podcasts. I wasn't really thinking like that. I'm just going, oh, that's really cool. Uh, we have uh, someone else that's involved in the creation of something in the licensing side involved with the fan club. How rad is that? Another reason why I really like this fan club. So what happened was I saw another post that he did where he commented on and with additional stuff for the artwork and oh my god it it really it was awesome and it made me super more excited than I kind of already was I was going to wait till the trade paperback I know that's horrible to say but I, that that was my intention and I read it and I was like oh my god so I went I only go to my to Packrat once a week which by the way check out packratcomics.com and uh, you can also check out we're also part of the It's All Been Done Presents Network IBD Presents Dot com. Um, uh, I don't actually have any of my notes here with me, which I know is horrible. But so I'm not doing my normal my normal spiel for these things. But please check them out. We are a part of a great network. It's all been done. Radio Hour is the flagship. The next show, I believe, is uh, November 11th, which we will be opening for. Anyway, Jake was pretty awesome, and I just randomly said, hey, dude, you want to do my podcast? And he said, yeah, sure. These are these two dates I can do it. And I, I made time. I lost. I had, had no sleep in terms of going into work, but it was totally worth it. Jake Greenewalt is the artist, and he also does American Mythology's Pink Panther, and he also is doing the new, I think it's four-issue miniseries for American Mythology, Rocking Boinkle, and it is absolutely phenomenal from what I've read of it, and it's so good. Um, the artwork is amazing. And you'll hear us talk about that, too. And we kind of go all over the place. Um, you can find out more information about Jake at uh, whateverjakemakes.blogspot.com. You can also check him out on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And all this will be in our show notes, okay? So uh, you know, if you're like me and you're like, I like to clicky-clicky on the linky-linky, not hear you go talky-talky about it, then you know what? This is your day. Whateverjakemakes.blogspot.com, his Twitter handle, Instagram, his uh, links to a short film, it'll all be in the show notes. Okay, and guys, I really think you're going to enjoy our conversation. Now, I will say, and this is no fault of him, and I didn't realize until after we were done, something went wrong with the recording, and it broke it off into two tracks, and I don't know why. My editors are going to try to fix in the mix, but if the conversation does kind of a weird take or a jump, I apologize. Jacob, I apologize. I actually loved our conversation. I wasn't going to cut barely anything out of it, and so it was going to be for time, and sadly, I actually lost something naturally anyway, which was not part of the plan. Um, I really loved our conversation. I think you guys will too. We're kind of all over the place, and and the one thing that it might be in there still, I'm getting nods that it might still be in there, is we do this really great riff 
on little nitpicks over actors, uh, like tells that they do. And we go down a weird rabbit hole with that, but it's so much fun, and I would love to have him back on. He said he had a blast too, so I'm hoping – Jacob, Jake, buddy, if you're listening, I know you probably are. We're going to make it happen again. It was so much fun talking to him. And uh, here's episode 356 of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. It's Jake Greenewalt. I think I said it right that time. everyone and welcome out to this episode of the good the bad and the geeky and i'm really excited because i have with me jacob green green is it greenawalt it's greenawalt greenawalt ah that a throws you green, off no 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 green a walt oh oh it was well, okay green a walt yeah okay well so but then nobody I, cares you know nobody cares about that <laughs> It is. I have Argenbright for a name. I, I understand. Uh, if you do, you walk up to restaurants and go, just Nick A, just or Jacob G. Uh, yeah, Jake yeah, G. Just, yeah. Like Jacob G is fine because nobody can spell it or pronounce it, it's, and they don't care. So. Yeah, exactly. It's just like uh, okay. Let me help you. Help me. Help you. Help me to help you. So, for those of you out there who do not know who Jacob Greenelwalt is, he is the artist of the American mythology uh, Rocky and. Bullwinkle series, um, which originally came out uh, in September. I think issue two is coming out soon. Yep, it's still in the works, but should be soon. Should be soon. Awesome. So if, if you would like to check out more of Jacob's stuff, you can go to whatever jakemakes.blogspot.com, or is there another website you'd prefer to throw out there instead? No, that's perfect. Awesome. So I'll just throw out here how I how I even found Jacob was uh, we are on a Facebook fan page. It, they call it the official fan page of Rocky and Bullwinkle called It's Moose and Squirrel. That's, yeah. And there's some other people on there, too, like Keith Scott. Um, he was the second voice of Bullwinkle. Uh, there mm-hmm. for a bit. Um, matter of fact, he's all over the DVDs now too. When the Wards redid, repackaged everything for the DVD release. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, so it's really cool. You get to really meet other people out there. They're also like friends of Bill Scott that are on there, which is just really cool. And it's a really wonderful little community. And it, it really is. I have to agree with you on that. Yeah, it's awesome. And and the thing is too, which is this is the part that kind of bums me out is that I feel like Jay Ward's place in history. Like everyone loves Rocky and Boinkle, but the stuff, the history around them is like yeah. not pre- like everyone's always Disney and, and Warner Brothers and then you have and Hanna-Barbera is another big one too and then after that it's, it's right. Jay Ward and he left such a huge stamp on cartoons and I mean the Simpsons yeah, I, would, I would even piggyback on that and say that Jay Ward kind of led the TV animation if, if it was a revolution he kind of led he kind of paved the way for Hanna-Barbera because Hanna-Barbera were trying to do stuff like Jay Ward you know he was yeah. doing funny animated comedy and at half the cost oh yeah and uh and it worked people knew the characters it was all about the voice acting the voice acting was superb but he kind of set up a model for tv animation and i think Anna barbera was quick to follow when they went from theatrical shorts straight to tv and then you know then we all know the Anna barbera characters oh we do and the like you oh, know yeah and i would say one more thing too yeah. That Rocky and Bullwinkle was definitely, 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 definitely a um, influence for Ren and Stimpy. 
Oh, wow. Because if you look at how Ren and Stimpy, well, Ren and Stimpy sort of parodies Rocky Bullwinkle. But once you start watching Rocky Bullwinkle, and I grew up with Ren and Stimpy yeah. and Hanna-Barbera, you really see how, like, they parallel. Like, it's like, oh, you know, even like the segment Ask a Doctor Stupid, you know, uh, there was, oh. there was the, the similar segment for, for Bullwinkle. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Ask Mr. Know-It-All. I, I mean, I know that uh, uh, Matt Groening, like the characters he named Bartholomew J. Simpson and Homer J. Simpson, you know, that that J is for J Ward. Yep, he gave him the J because because they used to just do Bullwinkle J Moose. Yeah, and Rocket, Rocket J, J Squirrel. Squirrel. The, the J the J was just the letter J. It actually it didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It was just the letter J. Well, uh, <laughs> do you, did you ever watch Mash growing up in reruns? <laughs> Uh, what was the show? Do you ever watch the show Mash? I know it's not animation, but uh, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've seen a little bit of Mash. I'm familiar so, with it. do you remember the character BJ? Uh, it was uh, Hawkeye's best friend in the second half of yeah, the show. Yeah. There was a whole episode where uh, I think it's towards the end of the series where they they knew that the war would probably be ending soon, and BJ kept haunting Hawkeye. He's like, you know everything about me, but what BJ stands for. And <laughs> and they make a, a few lewd jokes, but Hawkeye it really bothers Hawkeye. And at the end of the episode, he's like, "Look, you yeah. win. I don't know you as well as I thought I do." And it's like, "My name is B, named after my grandmother B, B E A, and then my gr- other grandfather on my mom's side, J J A Y." So it's J-A-Y. literally, yeah, it's literally B J, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and then, all, of course, all dirty jokes aside, they're just like, it's just these simple three-letter names, B and J. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, yeah and, and that, that, that joke about J Ward is prevalent in all, all of the Ward stuff, and even the newer stuff, too, like uh, uh, when they crash into, I think, the uh, Watsamata U in the live-action movie, they go to the, or no, Boris and Natasha leave the J Ward, um, the J Medic Ward. Oh, or something do like. they really? Yeah, because I think, yeah, because Boris is not animated anymore, and so when he falls to the ground, he he has to go to the J Ward to get fixed up so he can go after Rocky and Boinkle again. Yeah, just really funny stuff like that. And we'll, we'll get more into Rocky and Boinkle here in a second. Uh, but uh, sure. so, talking about you, how did you get started into art? Well, I'm, well, art in general for me, I've been I've been drawing since I was five. Nice. Uh, always had a love for animation. Always had a love for uh, comic strips, comic books. Mm-hmm. When I was little, a comic strip for me was, of course, Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Waterson. Yeah. Big, that was a big thing for me. Uh, of course, TV was littered with animation. The early 90s and late 80s were, you know, just so much good animation from all all sorts of studios and channels. Comic books, I was into I was into Marvel a little bit, but really back in the day I was into Image Comics. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, that shaped my whole world for art. Um, I used to do, let's see, I mean, I was drawing all the time, so... In like high school, I actually was I had a published comic strip in the local paper. Oh wow, that's <laughs> and, awesome, man! Uh, yeah, they did a that was cool for me. I mean, that blew my world. I was like fifteen and I was drawing comics already. But yeah, I mean, so art's been a part of my life since forever, and I've been doing art the entire time. That's so rad. So, um, what was your first comic strip about? Do you remember? It was just two random cartoon characters. It was a rabbit and it was a beaver, and it didn't even have a clever name. It was called Rabbit and Beaver. <laughs> uh, but what what was fun about it was that it, it was. It's pretty much like a way of me of drawing my influences from, like I said, like Calvin Hobbes and TV animation, but also parodied my family. So the two main characters would become me and my brother. Oh, and so okay. it'd be a mix of it'd be a mix of comedy from stuff that I watched, and then a mix of comedy from things that happened at home <laughs> or with friends. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. 
so I seen that you've done some animation too. Like I, I, I I'm sorry, I, I don't have it from. It's Aloha Burgers or Aloha Grocery that you were. Yeah, that was a project I had started, um, and I've done some other shorts too. Did- I did a short called Sushi. And I did a short, a uh, good one called One Drink. And those have done some festival time. Oh, that's kind awesome. of fun to, to say. Yeah, uh, especially, well, Sushi and One Drink actually both went international. I had some screen times in other countries, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, did you get to go with them and or go over to, to see them and experience that whole thing? Or, or is it was it a money I thing? I did, yeah. Um, I went to, one of the most fun ones was going to Montreal, Canada for oh, wow. for a festival there. One Drink, One Drink got in there. And I got to spend four days and hang out and meet people. It was a lot of fun. Um, one wait, sushi went to um, an animation day in Cannes, but I actually couldn't make that trip because it suddenly it just suddenly came up and I, I forget what was going on, oh, but wow. I couldn't schedule the flight. But yeah, I've done some shorts, but they're not not super well known. But they've done some time, dude. That's awesome festival. though, man. You got to experience that, and it's, I mean, because festivals are a lot of fun. They're hectic too. I mean, from what I've heard, so uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, it's a good mix of both, and it's also kind of like when you do a festival, it's kind of on your dime. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Like if you have the time and the money, yeah, go travel. Sometimes they give you, you know, some accommodations, but it's not like, you know, if you're not an award winning, you know, super animator artist. Right. Like if you're not Brad Bird always... or somebody, yeah, they're not gonna Exactly. Yeah. I mean and but, we all but, wish hey, we hey, could be Brad Bird. Ten more years and we'll see, you know. That that's true. That's true. I mean from uh, I remember what I saw on the blog, uh it looked really cool. Um I didn't get a chance right, to check out No, you're welcome. I, I saw like I think some of the animation for one drink and then I saw the international poster, and I didn't get to see the the <laughs> whole short. And you kind of have, which I, which uh, you have like a at least in those you have like a very UPA like design, um, yes. which I really like. And also that's where Bill Scott got his start, kind of in it. Well, I think he was at Warner Brothers, but then he went to UPA, and really, I mean, he yeah. can't draw as well. But um, there's the Art of J Ward book, and there's a lot of drawings he would make uh, with airing his frustrations with the networks that him and Jay. <laughs> had to deal with and and he actually I thought he actually was a good cartoonist and, and or illustrator I, you know and more of a, a Sunday funnies cartoonist kind of guy you know or storyboard yeah, guy yeah yeah um so I, yeah. I think he sold himself a little short there but I but I could definitely see that influence and of course ultimately I think he UPA and Warner Bros uh, really helped him shape the gags of stuff too supposedly but yeah so that's that's pretty cool now I also I, I love and I love that style of animation like that UPA oh yeah um, like that that to me is definitely an influence. I love I love, I love the color choices. I love the thick lines, your thin lines. It's always so much fun because to me it's like they're just like characterized cartoons. And I just love playing with that look. And I've sort of, like, I can draw, my normal style is kind of like a very Disney-esque style. Mm-hmm. But I like to push myself into more of the UPA, which is weird. It sounds like, because even you said it, I think, you know, people consider that a more simple style of drawing. But it's funny. It's it's actually sometimes more difficult. Yeah. You have to kind of, you kind of have to play with perspective or, like, alter, you have to kind of draw something the way you're not supposed to, in, in according to you know, sort of the drawing rules, if they exist. Or it's, and it's like, No, I was just going to say, the color scheme, yeah, too, is it. abstract and some cases right it's sort of like it's sort of like drawing something normal but with a slight abstract nature to it uh, but it, the results are fantastic if you get the colors right and you know and you have like the, the real it's also very fast line work which is something I'm, I'm, I love to do when I draw sort of use that fast curved line to sort of mm-hmm. make my stuff look cool but um, to be honest with you, that one drink short, and it's not, you know, check it out later, it's not very long. Okay. Um, but it, that's what led to me to where I am now with the comics, because I think uh, a couple people saw that. Oh, and wow. The, this, yeah, so they saw the style, and I, the guys at American Ecology saw that short and thought, well, maybe this guy can do Pink Panther. 
So then I got it. They wrote me an email, or I think maybe they called me. I'm not sure. I also have a mutual friend with them. Oh, wow. And they were all talking to me about it. And they were like, so, hey, you know, we, we bought a license for Pink Panther. Are you interested in, in helping us reboot him? I was like, heck, yeah. So they, they said, well, here, do a character turnaround. You know, so I took Pink Panther and kind of did my own drawing, like front view, side view, three-quarter view, did a whole mock-up. But I had no rules. Like, they didn't tell me, they didn't give me any of the colors or anything. So I just kind of made everything up and sent it to them. And they said, oh, this looks great. You know what I mean? So let's get started. Here's a script. You know, <laughs> do some covers first. You know, blah, 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 blah. That's awesome. I was like, yeah, this, this is awesome. Um, and then, so then I started drawing. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. There's, and they started sending me the rule. And I got like a, there's like a PDF that they send you that has all of the, you know, the guidelines for Pink Panther. And I was like, oh, this is like, you know, this is like getting a bag of gold. You know, here's all the specs for, you know, this classic, you know, 60s character of the Pink Panther. It was so cool. Oh so yeah, and then I so I did yes, yeah, so I worked for them doing the. I've been doing that for about a year and a half, or maybe two years now. I don't know. I did a bunch of covers, and I did two Pink Panther stories. And did you and write them saw, too, or help write them? I mean, because artists are technically writing with the art, the writer in some cases. Yeah, but did you write the, any of the stories fully yourself? I did. Well, no, not for so with American mythology. I've actually just been like a hired artist, like a hired gun. Okay. I mean, I do have all the, so I have a lot of my own characters and own stories. I can write stories, but for them, you know, they provide the scripts um, gotcha. everything from them has been a different different writer Keith I can't remember the first one Keith I can't remember his name the guy who's doing the Rocky Bullwinkle scripts Todd Livingston mm-hmm. is fantastic so when I when they sent me his script I thought oh my god this is the whole tone of the show this is perfect like I can't wait to be involved in this because once I saw the writing was there you know like I said Rocky Bullwinkle is all about voice acting and the writing and the, and the stylistic tone I thought well we got the writer let me just bring the style and maybe we can get this thing working yeah and and I, I think I commented this on the fan group because uh, there's one guy he's really cool he he posts all the time uh, John Meyer Mayer uh, but he posted something I actually think he posted thumbnails of the first issue and yes. and now some backstory on this one why I have not sadly read the full book yet is because uh, my weird work schedule which I kind of told you about I only go to the comic shop now once a month and by oh, the no. time yeah so by the time I got to Comicsology it's ordered and I even confirmed with the comic shop but and it's on my my pull list but but I won't. I probably won't get issue one until issue two comes out, kind of thing. Oh, okay. Well, it, you know, let me know how you like it when you. Oh, definitely. I mean, from what I read and what John put, because he posted like the four preview pages or whatever. I was dying. Well, yeah, those are, so those are on. I think he stole those from my website. So if you go to oh. whatever jakemakes.blogspot.com, mm-hmm. I think I have my cover and the first three pages available. So if anyone wants to check it out, and and, the first and definitely pages. please check it out because it's hysterical. It's really funny, and <laughs> the one thing I commented on you though about which I feel like to me the hardest characters to draw are Boris, Natasha and Rocky and you oh I would agree with you in in my opinion you've captured all three of them beautifully and and maybe this is a little peeve of mine and I know it's probably what they're trying to go for and the fact that they let you do it is amazing but I do not like black nose Rocky I don't know why Oh, you <laughs> No, I don't know why that is. And I don't really love the Gold Antlers Bullwinkle, but I understand that the, Jay Ward, I think, always yeah. wanted the, the Gold Antlers, so I kind of get that. Um, they're trying to honor their dad on that. But I, I just... Yeah, those... So the colors, for sure, are... It, that boggles my mind a little bit, too, because every time I look up the old artwork and, and you know, watch the show, he's, he's totally brown, including the antlers in color. Oh, and yeah. that's just sort of what you get used to. But the... Yeah, so, you know, I was talking about those, like, style guides from King Panther. Well, they have updated style guides um, for Rocky and Bullwinkle, and they're through, like, they're provided by DreamWorks. 
so they have specific pantones. So like any colored character, you know, any colors for the characters I have, I have provided pantone to use. So really, I just, you know, concentrate on my line width and my inking and make sure it looks like the style of the show. But the characters have to be definitely uh, colored a certain way. Now, did they say anything about Rocky's nose? I know that sounds, again, to focus on that, but did they say anything <laughs> about the nose like that? or No, nobody has yet, but maybe they will now. Oh, no, no, I hope not. Please, if you're listening, <laughs> do not do anything. Because you do a few times give like a little more of, a, of the triangle black nose, but I really yeah. love the fact that you, you, I feel which it's very old school, and I really like that design because I think the original Alex Anderson design, it's okay, but I think it's the middle yeah. of box top robbery is when Rocky becomes the Rocky that I love and yeah. you know, I think he's well known for that look and I know at some point I think when they even redid the DVDs on the DVD menu like they did the opening where Bullwinkle's tripping over and they reanimated it and it, it literally looks like with. they just yeah and they with the gold antlers so interesting yeah and, and I was like okay so they they really are trying to go for the rebranding of how he looks So and I get that but then Rocky it's like every time I see him it's like oh the big black nose and then I read those books I was like oh, <laughs> yay well actually I think I actually so there was a lot of revisions for the first issue, and I believe I did change the nose from sort of a black triangle with a white dot. Oh. And then I think I saw some designs mixed in with the packet where he had it like the, it's just like two. Like it's sort of a tri- yeah, like a smushed black triangle that's a little thinner because before it was thicker. Yeah, but I did change it because I had to I had to alter um, Rocky's face in, in some of the revisions because I think I gave him too much forehead if I believe that was the critique. But it also forced me to so to be honest with you, all the characters I had in the first. Issue, issue as he's going through and, and, and doing all the artwork, Rocky was probably, in, you know, not intentionally, given the left attention in terms of drawing. <laughs> and because I love I love Boris and Natasha so much, so I had such a love for them. I already had this passion in, in drawing them. And then and Bullwinkle is so iconic. I think I was concentrating a lot on him. And then sort of Rocky was just sort of becoming a lot of my looser, more fun poses, but also that kind of breaks him from his character mold. So I had to kind of go back and I kind of tightened him up. And then for this next issue, he, he's much more, he's been, in terms of design tightened up a lot more. In fact, it's some of my favorite drawings in the next oh, issue. That's awesome. So, well, and I feel like Rocky but, is kind of disproportionate. Like Bullwinkle, I mean, they're all shapes, right? But I feel like Rocky, in terms of how his head's laid out compared to his body, yeah. isn't always super proportionate or or as easy to can make it connect and look like it works easily in, in some cases. Or maybe that's just me. But like Bullwinkle, I feel like the nose is could be a little bit more difficult, but the rest of his body is very symmetrically shaped. Yeah, that's true. You know what it is, honestly? I mean, if you like, if you did an internet search for Rocky Bullwinkle right now, mm-hmm. every image of Rocky Bullwinkle that will come up looks completely different from the next. <laughs> that's so, true, too. <laughs> and it's, it's absolutely true. There's no, there really has never been rhyme or reason to their, to their designs. Now, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's part of the charm. I think that's what we all kind of love about Rocky Bullwinkle, whether we know it or not. Oh, yeah. Every time you see them, they look completely different. I mean, sometimes uh, Bullwinkle has a mouth that connects to his, his snout. Other times, it's just another layer underneath. With, you know, it looks like it's just flapping in the wind. You yeah. know, like, it's just, there's just all this something. Sometimes Rocky's really tall. Looks like he has long legs. Other times, he just looks like a bowling ball with a head. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's they, they're always different. And, and, and also, um, Natasha and Boris, too. They look, I mean, they're, they're almost completely different in print or in the show or sometimes they have their costumes on and it's just insanely like designed differently because they're wearing like a wig or like, you know, so there's oh, never yeah. been a rhyme or reason and I think that's something to love about Rocky Bullwinkle. It also makes me want to like think, oh, maybe every panel I draw them completely different but I know I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but that but that would be fun to be like, oh, in this page they look like this and the next page, oh, they look completely crazy. But no, well, I kind of rein 
and then and just kind of stick to one look. That's that's awesome. I mean, and I will say too, and, and maybe uh, what is your take on this? Because I always feel like. Rocky and Boinkle themselves are funny, but I feel like everyone, like Boris and Natasha, is where most of the comedy is kind of mined from. Um, within, like yeah, Rocky and like, Boinkle have groaners. Like you could give the same joke to Rocky and Boinkle, and it'll be oh. But if you give the same groaner to <laughs> Boris and Natasha, it's actually laugh out loud funny, and it's really bizarre. Yes. <laughs> well, I think I think that Boris and Natasha kind of bring the adult humor to the to the show to the character. Mm-hmm. You know, Bullwinkle has you know Bull, Bullwinkle's a dumb character, but he's also charming so those are his kind of jokes they're 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 dumb Mm -hmm. and they're charming or they're sentimental sometimes and then of course like you said boris and natasha they get the good one-liners because they're the bad guys yeah of course and and of course you know they're going to get their comeuppance completely by the end of course and you also know they're going to show up even if they're not there you know they're going to show up that's the best part right you always can expect boris and natasha to show up Oh, and be part of the story somehow. Yeah, which which is always which is always really fun. And then uh, and you know, there's not a lot of fearless leader in, in in the first issue that I can see from the preview. But I mean, he even looks phenomenal. He's not in the second issue, but he is in the first issue. Yeah. Which the, is, so when you do check it out, it's it's actually it's actually fun because it's a campaign story, and you know how political the landscape is right now. Oh, but we won't go into that. No, yeah, we I, won't go into that. I understand. But, but it's a very political <laughs> landscape right now, and and in the story, in the story, um, Bullwinkle gets tricked into running against Fearless Leader to leave Pennsylvania. Yeah. Which, so that's the setup for the story. So they have a campaign, and it's pretty it's pretty funny. Now, does that last all four issues, or is that just the one issue, the first issue? That's the story arc from the first issue. First issue. Now, does any of that carry over into issue two, three, and four a little bit? Like no. Little- so the the story arc is all in one issue. The next the next issue two is sort of a Halloween esque, or maybe I should say more of a Rocky Horror Picture Show esque type of story. Oh, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Rocky Horror. Uh, I already know where that's going. All right. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, so I'm trying to think. So uh, so you've done Pink Panther. You've done Rocky and Bullwinkle. What would be a – I mean, you already are doing these awesome projects. What would be a dream project, like a, another property, a dream property that you would also like to do on top of continuing to do Rocky and Bullwinkle for American Mythology along with Pink Panther? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think besides my own material, mm-hmm. I would think uh, – let me think another property – I really like the new DuckTales. Oh, my God, yes. Um, and I can draw on that style. And I also like those updated Mickey Mouse cartoons the new with the new fun style. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like those. So I would say DuckTales. I know they do comics. That would be a fun project to work on. Uh, only because I grew up with those characters in the afternoons, you know, after school. Of course, the, yeah, the new Mickey Mouse cartoons. I love that style. I mean, I, if I had a chance to work on those, oh, you know. Yeah, because that's I'd a very EPA meets Disney kind of, like, aesthetic. It, it's very on model though within within reason but it's it's not yep. it's a very weird uh, blend of the two which is really nice and, and it's also funny which is nice because I, I don't remember the guy's name it's the guy who actually worked on Epic Mickey I, I think he's the guy behind the show don't quote me on that so the one guy the driving force behind the new Mickey cartoons was Paul Rudish I, I swear and I don't know if that's the guy you mean Paul Rudish worked on Dexter's Lab I think back in the day yeah I, I for some reason swear that he was a big fan of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit I thought and did he probably was and thought he did something with Epic Mickey, or at least wrote the story 
story for Epic. I mean, he very much loved. I thought that he was involved in because I remember right after Epic Mickey two came out, there were there were talks that he was going to do a new Mickey Mouse or do something with Mickey Mouse, and then I didn't hear anything about it. And then I just heard, oh my god, did you see the new YouTube short of Mickey Mouse? And then like yeah. a few months later, they they had their own half hour show on, or they were peppered throughout the Disney Channel and Disney XD. And yeah, they were. And I thought that was the so best cool. Part, one of the best parts about those cartoons too is it isn't only one director. There's a lot of guest directors. Oh, it was awesome. And I think it's, which is which is fun for me being an, an animation nerd because you get to see people's styles and their sense of humor. So one of the, my favorite out of those directors was Aaron Springer, who used to work on SpongeBob. So he did he directed a couple of the best Mickey shorts, in my opinion, like uh, Cable Car Chaos. But those his you know his humor and stuff, kind of his adult humor and timing and jokes that he had in SpongeBob, kind of brought over to here. I thought they were so much fun to watch. That's um, awesome. And they and you know they're like on their fourth season. And they always have a different director, which is cool because they're doing they're doing a classic characters and they're having different directors animate and take control, take the reins of the characters. And then you get these fun you know different interpretations that are just so much fun to watch because you know the characters, but when they do something totally outlandish in someone else's style, it's, it's more entertaining. Jumping back to Ducktales for. Have you watched all the episodes of DuckTales so far? I haven't seen every single one. I've seen about four. I mean, I'm, I'm loving them more and more. I think there's only been four, maybe five. I, I'm not sure, but my only complaint, and this is not a bad thing, my only complaint yeah. with the show is that I want more Donald and Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the and the thing is, is that and it's not bad though. The show is still really freaking good. But that's my only complaint is that just a, and of course, right as I said that, I think the last episode with Gander Gladstone mm-hmm. uh, is Donald the and, Fortune one. Yeah. Yes, that was Donald Duck centric, and they had tons of Scrooge in there too. And so I was like, you guys already know what I'm going to say next. I don't need a. I'm. You guys are great. <laughs> you guys are doing good work. My here. opinion. My opinion is they're probably saving a lot of Scrooge and Donald for later. Probably for a bigger story arc, yeah. Because they're they're not revealing the the Huey, Dewey, and Louie's mother yet. Yes. So they're probably saving like that's kind of kind of the meat of the story if you had to look at it that way. They're probably saving some of the Scrooge and, and Donald dynamic for later. But I mean, who knows? I mean, oh, you know, if they want us to run for seasons, we're gonna we're gonna see a ton of it, I'm sure. Oh yeah, and and I again, I was just I remember the episode before the Gladstone Gander one with the magic the int- the tease to Magica. I was like, this is awesome and all, but I feel like I've not seen Scrooge or Donald really well since like the pilot I mean Donald was in I think that one because the boat caught on fire and then he saved the kids from the Beagle Boys at the very end but yeah. it's been very yeah. kid centric and, and I get that I'm completely fine with that because they're not bad it's it's wonderfully told but I'm just like and, and again like you I'm like I know they're probably saving this for the big reveal at the end with their mom and the spear of a Luna or yeah. whatever, the spear thing so and, but it's still it's just like man I kind of miss when it was like Scrooge and the, the kids and and that and I love Carl Bark. I mean, I got into Don Rose's comics first, and now I've yeah. gone back and I'm reading the Treasury for for Barks, and it's just like, oh, oh wow, be good, still. good for you, yeah, yeah. Well, and if you ever get a chance, because you're in PA, right? Yep, yep, Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, uh, where well, I'm in Ohio. So if you ever get a chance, go to. Well, this might be you know your your sworn enemy if you're a college fan for Penn State, but OSU <laughs> has the Billy Iron Billy Ireland Cartoon Museum. Uh, Wait, where, where is that? It's it's on the campus of OSU. It, oh, okay. Yeah, and they actually have Jeff Smith, who did Bone. He's he lives in uh, Columbus still. And one of the things they have on site, and I think they sw- 
they tore it out because you know from other museums and stuff like that. But they have original Karl Barks art there, and wow, that's cool. the dude has no pencil line work that you can see on the final page. It's aggravating. Wow. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. No, I mean it's beautiful. But yeah. I mean, you look at Jeff Smith, you can see the blue lines and pencil marks, like even the original Popeye comic strip and Frank Miller. You see yeah. all these pencils everywhere, and then you get to Karl Barks, and it's just ink. It's just like perfect. Yeah, yeah. and you don't see any. And I'm just like, oh my god, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that means that means he knew his characters well. You know, he could just he yeah pop them out. And that's and, amazing. I love seeing that. That's so cool. Oh yeah, and uh, because Bill Watterson's from like Northern Ohio, Western PA, it, around mm-hmm. that area, they had they have a lot of Bill Watterson art there now too. Um, oh my god! That, I mean, that alone would be enough for me to go over there. Oh yeah, dude! If you ever—I mean, it's phenomenal too. If you ever get a chance, stop in. It is—it is. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't get to go enough to it. But I mean, they have the first copy of Bone and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which uh, I'm just like, wow. uh, uh, you know, and, wow. Oh yeah, <laughs> they don't have artwork from it, but they have the original one of the first printings. And my, I just I was like, oh my god, I just want to cry. It was it was so <laughs> awesome. Well, because yeah, because I'm very eclectic. Like I like the turtles. I mean, being an '80s '90s kid, yeah. But like I like the Mirage Team and T a lot. And then oh, I go into absolutely. Then I go into Rocky and Bullwinkle, <laughs> and then God. Godzilla, and then Frasier, because why not? Because why not? <laughs> you got to have some high class in there. You got to have some high class. That's right. You got to mix it up. You got to have, yeah, you got to get some high My class God, Jake, the, the sherry, the sherry. You know, it's funny. I'm actually staring at, I have, I'm looking at my, my book collection over here, and I have the Jeff Smith own uh, one volume oh, you, edition. Oh, it's so be- Do you have the it's color huge. one, or do you have the black and white? This is black and white, because that's actually why I got it. It was just for just, I wanted to see how crisp the zinc inks were. Oh, it's You know, it's, it's a good reference, and it's beautiful. It's be- it's it's so beautiful, and he's such a. Um, I used to have this shirt. I got to meet him once. And it was randomly. We went to a Barnes and Noble, and I and it, I, I I give bone to people who've never read comics before. And I said, "Look, do you like Lord of the Rings? Yes. Do you like Bugs Bunny? Yes. Please read this." And and <laughs> Perfect, their first thought, to, yeah, and their first thought is, "Oh my God, it's huge!" I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Just please. If you get maybe four chapter four issues in, and you're not digging where it's gone, give it back to me." And they never give it back to me. So I had it from someone at work That's who gave great. it back to me and he was doing a signing and I at, at one of the Barnes and Nobles in Columbus and I was wearing my Bugs Bunny like animator shirt where it's like the mm-hmm. the uh, you know the three fourths all the different poses um, I think it was not Chuck Jones it was uh, Clampett the Clampett version of Bugs Bunny the Clampett version okay yeah yeah and he was just like dude I love your shirt yeah this is and so we talked I, I was just like oh I'm talking to Jeff Smith uh huh <laughs> yeah because I, I I nerd out hardcore in front oh of yeah you. I do too oh it's so, so See, people look at me, they don't think I nerd out, but I'm, I totally love nerding out. I'm, I love all stuff. Yeah, it's it's so cool. I mean, who uh, who's the probably one person you've met that you've completely nerded out on, you know, Ooh. for anything? It doesn't. It can be movies, it can be television, it can be anything. Well, there's a couple. I mean, so, I, yeah, I oh, I met John Crick-Philosophy oh. in Canada, at, and I kind of nerded out. And, it, and because I was kind of nerding out, it wasn't the, the best interaction, but it was, of course, fun to meet him. <laughs> was he because, like Harrison you know, like, Ford? I mean, that's really the, the gauge you gauge everything on. Was he Harrison Ford to you, or was he a little bit yeah, nicer? Yeah, yeah and, I was, and I was younger, too, so I was like probably less confident. And I was just like, oh, my God, I just ran into my one of my heroes. Holy crap. That's good, because so. Harrison Ford destroys dreams. <laughs> <laughs> from, from like I've heard him on Nerdist, and I, you see him, and I, he's I don't know. He goes in that he's either a hundred percent cool, or he will just destroy you. <laughs> you know, which which is which is I, devastating. <laughs> 
He, you know what? He's allowed to do that because he's Harrison Ford. That's oh yeah, you're right. That's I'm, true. No, you're right. But I still, <laughs> I can tell you. Um, I love telling funny stories and embarrassing stories. So I can. I'll tell you a whole bunch. Well, uh, I did meet uh, one time. I met Carmen Electra. Remember her? Oh God, yeah. She she was at, for yeah. like a second married to Dennis Rodman. Yes, and I don't. So I don't remember what like where who she was married to at the time. But I was um, post college and I was working at an Urban Outfitters. I used to work for that company. And like I worked the register, so we would get celebrities in there. Every now and it was a pretty big store, and it's on Walnut Street, in Philadelphia, where like you know you can do some rich people can shop. Instead of being a dork, I tried to play it like really cool. So I was just like, I was like, hey, you know, like I tried to like put on a serious face and act all cool. And I was like, this is definitely Carmen Electra. And then I got her credit card, and the credit card said, what's her real name? Like Tara Reed Patrick or something? I don't know, something like Reed Tara Patrick. It's some one of those combinations of words. Oh uh, man! And I was like, oh, this really is her. And she's, she's there smiling at me, like saying hi, like expecting me to gush and be like, hey, Carmen Electra. Oh my god! And I'm just there, like going, "Hey, so, like, how's it going? Did you find everything okay?" You know. <laughs> so I totally bummed her out. In fact, she looked kind of mad at me because I didn't work out. I was like, oh, "What a terrible interaction that was!" Oh yeah, the whole time she's like, "Hi," and then she's like tapping to her name on the car, or like like her driver's license, yeah, which may like, say Carmen like, Electra. Hello. <laughs> yeah, hello, I'm Carmen Electra. Look at me. I was like, "Her." Sup? How you doing? Sup. <laughs> Well, isn't that weird that some people get mad at that? Like, if you don't recognize them, like, they... I don't know. That's so bizarre in some cases. In some cases. It is, I I didn't expect that. No, yeah. Uh, Now, my saddest one is we were at MegaCon in Orlando, and uh, I was talking to my one artist friend, and he was working out... uh, This is back before Casey Green was the guy who drew the dog that said, this is fine. Casey Green was in our little group, and him and my one friend were, were drawing and he was taking a break from doing their the little stick and uh, this I hate to say it like this but just to put it in context this elderly woman came up and goes excuse me do you know where the green room is for celebrities and and I looked at her and I had no, and I looked at my friend and we looked at her and we're like I'm I'm really sorry but I we don't and then we're like who the hell is she and it's it's Margot yeah. Kidder it's Margot Kidder oh. oh yeah and we completely were like as she walked away we're like oh my god it's Margot go like you know and, and and i think she heard us and you and she, could have been you could have been her like helpful hero i know and we and, and well here's the sad part is she she heard us both go oh my god it's margot kidder as she walked away and she shot us a weird look like well yeah forget you <laughs> it's like oh no oh no yeah it was you know what i, I have a comic-con story i went to the philadelphia comic-con and this is years ago i think i just not to put it in perspective i just got an iphone so that's probably how long ago this was yeah. and i was with my buddy jay spence and we're walking around, and it was kind of a low-key day. Like, there was, you know, it wasn't a lot of crowd, and some of the celebrities had their booths set up, and no one was really there. So we round a corner, and there's Lou Ferrigno. Oh, Lou, yeah. Yeah, so he's got, and he's got a standout, he's selling photos and print, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I'm just like, you know, we were kind of being wide-eyed, and I think maybe we just sort of stepped in the place. We'd only been there like 20 minutes. So I go, oh, yeah, look, it's Lou Ferrigno. And I whip out my iPhone, and I just, like, set up a photo and took it right in front of him. Oh. <laughs> and I just, just took a photo of him. Like, I didn't even think he was looking at me. Then I then I pull the phone down, I look up, and he's literally making that face before he hawks out. And I was like, oh, shit, I just pissed off Lou Ferrigno. And I look around, and all he's doing is selling photos and photo op. And I just walked up and took a free picture. I was like, oh. holy, oh, my God, I am such a terrible person. <laughs> I, oh. looked, I, looked at my, <laughs> I looked at my friend Jay, and we just, we just got 
got we got the heck out of there. Like, oh yeah, line it for wherever we could be out of the Hulk, <laughs> you know, eye line. <laughs> oh my goodness! I couldn't believe it. I have a weird lose story, which is, and I don't think I've told it on the podcast before. It, it's it's just one of those weird ones where I don't really know what happened. I just like mm-hmm. we got there super because there was like twelve of us that got like two tables or something like that, and we would win. Some of us would get there early, and I think it was Sunday, so it was the last day of the con, and we were there, and I was the one who came in early with one other person, and we got the table set up, and I just remember uh, Lou Ferrigno was walking by, and then he dropped something, and and just <laughs> my first my first instinct is, oh, let me help you with that, and I helped him at, and he just looked so defeated, like I just shit in his cereal, and he was just like, let me guess, you want a picture? And I was like, no, man, no, I no, oh, no, 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 like, I'm just... No, I wanted to, want to pick that item up for you. Yeah, like, no, like, I was just trying to do the right thing. And he, I think he took it as you're just trying to help me to get something out of it, which I felt really, I'm like, oh, dude, that sucks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Being a portrait of a man. Oh, my God. You made it sound so bad. Yeah, no, right. And then it's just like, he's like, okay. And then he walked, walked away. And, and that bummed me. That was, that was, yeah, that was a bummer of a start of the day. And then the second bummer of is I occasionally do like silly, I occasionally do voices and stuff like that. And I walked up to, oh, God, the guy who does oh, uh, Space Coast, Coast to Coast. Oh, yeah. I can't remember his name. I'm feeling really shitty that I don't. But I walked up to him and I drew a picture. And I was like, can you sign it? And he wrote like weird shit like, mmm, uh, smells good, bacon panties and stuff like that. Yeah, really weird, <laughs> funny shit. Yeah, and it's hysterical. And But then I was like, hello, I am Zorak, green with evil. And he just looked at me and then he's like, and then he completely got serious and he's like, I've heard better. And then he gave it back to me oh, and signed damn. it. And then so as I was walking out though, this is where the happy part of it is. I'm just like, Jesus, I met Sad Lou Frigno and I got shit on by the guy who does Space Ghost. <laughs> yeah, and that was then, then as he walked by, he's like, by the way, your Zorak was really good. And that, as he was, when we were walking out, and I was just like, no way. Yeah, no, he really did. And I was like, oh, you, you made me so happy. Now that, that's a moment. No, that when is... Get, a, yeah, when you get a compliment from somebody, you're like, like yeah. you the respect. It's just, even if it's little, it's just No, like, it really was. So and I don't, I think at that point, I was just, we were tearing down, so I wasn't like, oh, I'm bummed. It was just more like, oh, that was an awesome con, you guys. Yeah, good job. Good job. Fax Max kudos all around like the 80s guy from Futurama and then and then he just happened he's like oh by the way and I was like oh thank you wow that was awesome so but I mean because that's, that's a cool moment it is a cool moment because if, if we didn't have that moment it would be really depressing <laughs> It was. It would have been a bummer. It would have been a bummer. But um, it would have. It would have. Yeah. You would have. It would have broken that day. You would have really had a crap day then. It, it really would have. Uh, yeah. And it's so bizarre because yeah, it's. Uh, that was good times. I miss going to cons all the time. I only go to a con here and there now, and it's always as a yeah, me too. As a patron, to I don't get to go as the guy who's with another group of way talented people. And I get to watch as they do their stuff. So, aka, I'm a freeloader. I like to freeload, is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> No, but I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had Casey Green before he became, I mean, he was already becoming Casey Green, but he's not like where he is now, where he's almost like mythical legend of this is fine mixed with all the other stuff that he does. And it's bizarre. It's bizarre crazy. And I look at his Twitter feed now and I look at who he was then. And I'm like, I don't even, it's like he's playing, he's like Bobcat Goldwaith. Who's Goldwaith. The, yeah. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey, where they're playing a character of themselves, I feel like. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was like, man, that's got to be hard to do that. Uh, 20 
24-7 to be on. It feels like I know, he's can on. you imagine that life? Like, that's it's the same with, like you said, with Luke Ringo. And, like, these people get approached all the time. Oh, probably yeah. Incessantly. I mean, I just, I just, and that alone is probably so draining and exhausting, you almost feel bad for, like, you know, sort of the double-edged sort of fame. Like, they, you know, it's wonderful to be loved by so many people, but at the same time, they're probably driven nuts by, you know, requests and, and oh. odd interactions. Imagine having a thousand awkward interactions a day. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's true. So draining. Or, or so if you're draining. Tom Hanks, where he's not only is it now awkward, but because of Chris Hardwick's nerdist, everyone knows he loves typewriters. So now everyone's like, hey, do you want a typewriter? And he's just like, no, no, I'm, I, he's being polite because he's Tom Hanks because he's awesome. But he's just like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And you're like, no, man, poor Tom Hanks. Poor yeah, Tom Hanks does not need another typewriter. No, he does not. Actually, that should be his thing when he walks into everywhere, which is like, hello, yes, I am Tom Hanks. Yes, I am Woody. No, I do not need your typewriter. <laughs> Oh, and, and followed up with by, yes, Steven Spielberg is very awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and no, I do not speak Daryl Hannah anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Splash fans. Uh, but I talked to Ron, Ronnie Howard, and everyone was like, eh, okay, yeah, yeah, I don't see Daryl Hannah anymore. Yay. Yeah, just. <laughs> and then he's like, and the Da Vinci Code is real. No. <laughs> he's like, that's why I keep making those movies, because the truth is out there. Matter of fact, I've been I meeting. I think he only does it for the haircut, yeah. In those movies. I think he only does it for that haircut. Uh, you know, that is true. Like, in every Dan Brown movie, he has a bit of a different haircut. Like, I feel like he's only... Got like that, he's got, like, this long mane or something that does not look like Tom Hanks. I feel like only one of them, he had the short and, the shorter of, like, the, the almost looks like Tom Hanks' haircut, you know? You know, he might have. I, I didn't see all of them. I, I, I did I only saw the first two. I, I didn't see... Yeah, I didn't see the last one. I saw Angels and Demons, and I saw Da Vinci Code. I didn't see the last one. Was it Inferno? I think Inferno was one where he had, like, the, oh, I'm... I'm I'm Tom Hanks in this Dan Brown movie. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't see that one. That must be it. Yeah. Well, what was the one where uh, he? It's based after a comic book. Paul Newman, Sam Mendes directed it. Uh, it's really it's a darker yeah. movie. It's, it's where he's a gangster. Uh, oh, Road to Perdition. Um, Road to, yeah, Road to Perdition. Yes. Yeah, okay. and he has the short Tom Hanks hairstyle, but ah, he has a weird mustache that no one's seen on Tom <laughs> Hanks before, or we've not seen for a while. And so it's like, oh, I see what you did there, Tom Hanks. You know. You're changing yeah. it up. Yeah. No, but he's actually- I mean, Tom Hanks, not, not that he's not good looking. He's just a very basic looking person. I mean, think about, that's why he's perfect for Forrest Gump. Yeah. You know, he just sort of, you know, basic, sort of all-American, I guess, sort of look. But it's, it's kind of funny that you're saying that. We would, oh, yeah, well, we put a mustache on him for this movie. Oh, we made his hair longer. He always does sort of look very just Tom Hanks, but they kind of just alter his, you know, they alter something, which Some, I guess helps change the character. But someone, someone said that there are tells of every actor. And like, when I think of Tom Hanks, I really can't can't think of a tell and someone said well the only thing we can think of is that oh he pees in every movie and I'm like maybe <laughs> but could it be his he you can tell if he takes a, a different movie if he has a different hairstyle or something's I mean because that to me is the real like the movie he's like I'm going to challenge myself here let's do a longer hairstyle <laughs> or the mustache I'm thinking I'm thinking a mustache I'm time. thinking a mustache for this one well I mean and that's very broad because and that's a good thing too because I don't really know of any visual tics that he has but like Harrison Ford, I know when he gets pissed off, he gives you like a fuck you look, and but, yeah, but he yeah. points. It's just with pointing. He's like, you know, he always points at somebody, and he does it in almost every movie where he doesn't say anything. He just points, or he says like, but it's technically yeah, saying he, f you, bro. Right. He, he kind of wiggles his hand in a point. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. He 
definitely does. That. He, I've seen, definitely he is, does it in, in Indiana Jones, Star. I mean, he did it in Star Wars. He's like. I think he did it in Force Awakens. Yeah, he does it in Force Awakens. He I'm, did I'm it. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Uh, I remember he did it in almost all of the. Uh, was it the uh, Jack Ryan movies? And was it where it's that weird playing for the camera? If you would see him do it in real life, it looks really weird where he, he's technically. It's a close up of him, and he's like pointing to the guy who played Kittredge in Mission Impossible. I think it's Clear and Present Danger. He's like looking at him, pointing at him, and like, no, you yeah. don't do it. But he's thinking, like, fuck <laughs> you. He's just, but, but just with a finger. And you're just like, damn, bro. You're just. You're- what if what if when Han Solo died, spoiler alert, yeah. what if when Han Solo died, he is falling down that pit with his finger waving like that? Yeah, just waving. Point. But he's not waving at Kylo necessarily because it's his son. He just, just, just into the air as he's falling. Yeah. <laughs> or, or he's just doing like a Toluca, like, where the fuck are you at all this? <laughs> like, as he falls. <laughs> and then Mark Hamill's like, sorry, sorry, Harrison. I, <laughs> you just had me show up at the end. But I look really good, don't I? <laughs> as I take the lightsaber. <laughs> Which made me, oh, yeah, oh, man, that makes me. And then poor Carrie, that's a real, uh, that's a sadness. But Tom, uh, going back to happier things, Tom Cruise karate chops the air when he runs. I, that, almost every movie. Oh, yeah, that's it, a good one. Uh, I think in Rain, I, I swear to God, I feel like Rain Man is almost the last movie he completely is, you know, he's not weird Tom Cruise. And then after that, he did The Firm, and then he's just like, oh, I'm going to cry, chop the air to run faster. And then he just does it in almost every movie. Like, maybe except Magnolia, he doesn't, I, I feel like. And oh, that's, yeah, I would, you're probably right, because he's always running all his time. Yeah, and I'm just like, bro, I'm glad that you can run way faster than a freaking sandstorm, but bravo to you. <laughs> and then there's like Owen Wilson, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Someone took a super cut of like a, was it John Wick? And every gunshot is him saying, wow. <laughs> and I mean, I saw one where it was, it was lightsaber battles and every, oh. every time a lightsaber, it was, it was, uh, Owen Wilson going, ah, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Oh, but it's always interesting little actor tells like that. But Tom Hank, Tommy, Tommy H, as I like to call him, cause we're bros. He doesn't really have any. He just has the, I'm going to do a weird mustache thing. And you know what? I would say he does have something and it's okay. hard to explain, but he does this thing and I'm trying to think of like every movie but in like remember he was the animated Polar Express conductor and stuff like that yeah he always kind of like gives a line where he's like your dad you know and he's <laughs> like yeah well you know it's kind of how the way it is you know he kind of does that I don't it's a really bad example but he always kind of gives you a line and he kind of lifts his eyebrow where it's like he knows a little better than you do oh yeah 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 it's like the, the raised eyebrow dad look I don't know yeah it's kind of like a dad console type of thing I, don't, I really have no better explanation Report, but I feel like any character he does, he kind of does that. Gives you this life moment type of um, comment. The <laughs> only, I mean, once as you were saying that, I thought you were the only thing that popped in my head as you said that was, and I don't yeah. really know if this is true or not, but I feel like I've seen it in more than one movie. But the movie I can remember it the most in is League of Their Own. Is he does yeah, this weird thing, all- yeah, where he does this weird thing where he, I mean, yeah, he pees, ha ha ha, no, but like he does this weird facing where he's like, he's just kind of like, uh, shakes his head, he's not making a sound out of it. Yeah. But like it's just like he's yeah. thinking like oh no 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 okay yeah yeah and I feel like he's done that a few yeah, times it's a too look and I can I, I can always see it I can picture it but I can't explain it in words yeah it's it's really yeah so so Tom Hanks we found you out buddy you're a little bit more sly about it but we figured you out and you much look- you know and much love from me for Tom Hanks if I never met him that would be that would be awesome oh my God I actually I would be the asshole who would go Tom Hanks do you want a typewriter because I would just be like <laughs> oh, you like typewriters and that's the only it's like I wouldn't 
wouldn't remember anything else. That would be the, of course, that would be the worst thing ever. And of course, he'd be, he'd be super, because he's Tom Hanks, he'd be super kind about it. It's aggravating and in I, my brain. I hate, I hate ruining interactions with, like, with people I'm a fan of. I just wish if I could just have a beer with them, that would be, like, the perfect, if I could somehow convince yeah. those people to sit down, chill out, have a beer. I mean, that would be the best. Like, because can you imagine just having a beer with one of your heroes? Oh, that yeah. is way cooler than being like, well, oh, hey, uh, pay attention to me for a second. I love you. You're the best. You know, I like, love you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, goodbye. It's just like, uh, if I could, if they could just somehow get in a situation where you could chill and just, you know, you guys, it doesn't have to be like good conversation. Just have a beer, talk back and forth, be who you are. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I find it, um, and it's becoming a trend with some of the more distinguished uh, media people, because I'm including musicians in that, because I know Paul McCartney is really big and it's like, would you mind if I take a picture? He will say no. He's like, how about we just have a conversation instead? And I, which is oh, pretty, cool. which is pretty cool. Um, and I know Ian McCallan is starting to get that way you know patrick stewart is just more like you want a picture i'll take a picture with you let's go you know because he's 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 awesome he'd be uh, fun to meet oh man short list of people to meet patrick stewart is kind of up there because he would have fun with you no matter what like and he would be the guy who's yeah. like would you like to go maybe we play a board game and you're like yeah a board <laughs> game with patrick stewart. you know and one of the reasons for me is he's he, he sounds like the way he does his words is fun and entertaining it would be fun to talk to him in person and hear that oh i, I would actually probably ask him would you please whatever board game we're playing even though we know the rules could you just read them for me I, I'm just gonna <laughs> exactly. quietly die yeah. inside <laughs> could you just read this air, this airplane manual for me like, I just want to hear you read oh yeah did you yeah. did you see extras where he did that because he's really funny too and he I think it's weird because I think Star Trek put him in this weird he is a classically trained Shakespeare actor and now he's doing a very serious Star Trek captain and so I think yeah. it's so funny when he started doing comedy bits like on extras and American Dad and, yeah. and his yeah. Yeah, it's just so funny the whole bit with him going like I like women with big bazoongas and it's just so weird because it's like why are you saying those it's, words they are awesome but why that's, are why, it's, that's why it works because he's been so established the other way that it's just funny to hear him do any he, sort of comedy he's playing against type which of course is, is comedy yeah. by by some type of definition yeah so yeah yeah uh, I was just thinking too like we're talking about Comic Con and meeting people I remember yeah. I didn't actually get to I didn't actually meet him because I kind of didn't want to but I was at one of the, I think it was probably Billy Comic Con one year and Christopher Lloyd was there oh, and I just I just was staring at him because I was like oh my god there's you know there's Doc Emmett Brown in person like this it was that was too surreal I was like oh yeah I never thought I'd actually see this guy in person so I didn't get in line or talk to him or anything but I think I snuck a picture but it was just like <laughs> yeah like I'm like holy shit that's Christopher Lloyd like oh my god you know this oh doc. my god now I feel like Michael J. Fox is one of those and again this is just my he's a very nice guy I'm sure but I feel like he's a little bit more in Harrison Ford range which he's like I really don't want to talk about Back to the Future and, and I know that's maybe, always yeah, maybe everyone's is. first instinct is to want to do that even if they're being chill and having a beer with him, that would probably be their first instinct. And he, you know, I, I don't know. I because th- that would be my fear is that my brain would just go into autopilot. And even if we're just chillaxing mm-hmm. and having a beer, I would like I'd be like Chris Farley, and you know, in that Paul McCartney movie, it's like <laughs> you were in Back to the Future. <laughs> was that rad or what? Yeah, did you yeah. know that I? Yeah, you replaced Eric Stoltz. That's awesome. And so it's I like love those Chris Farley. Kids. I almost forgot about those. That's oh, like, like my, rubbing his knees and panting. Oh yeah, and, and exactly. So it would literally be me like sweating to death and drinking the beer yeah. and looking at him and then and then you know he'd probably say something he's like do you know I have a foundation he's like yeah because you have Parkinson's and then he'd be just like okay dude that's oh uh God. oh yeah I would become Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm it would be very there horrible. you go yeah it would be very bad except for I would care that I would say that Larry doesn't I would care that I was offending poor Michael J. Fox um, I would and I was be, just thinking too I, one of those one of those SNL skits they did with Chris Farley like that I think Paul McCartney was one guy yeah yeah that was that's the and most he was just like, famous one. So, so you were like, 
liking the Beatles, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. yeah, and that's all he says. He's like, w- was yeah, that? Yeah, like, so yeah, like the Beatles. I forget what he said. It was a long one, but yeah, that's just a great skit. Yeah, the only reason I have that fresh on my brain is uh, my one of my roommates had I am Chris Farley, and I I just randomly watched it. Well, oh, that's, yeah, and, and I they, saw that. It was very good. That was a very it good was good. Uh, I feel like, and I think it's maybe for the family's sake, they kind of didn't focus on the bad stuff at, at the end as much. Yeah. Well, yeah, I it probably was family and, and for respect, you know. Yeah. Well, if you ever get a chance to, your thoughts on it would be would be kind of cool, uh, especially as an animator. But Jeff Smith, his I forget, I think it's called Welcome to Boneville, or but he has a documentary about him, and, and he funded it though. And so I feel like it's oh, kind really? of it's really cool, but I feel like it's slanted towards him. And there's one part where he, do you remember the? Do you guys have White Castle in Pennsylvania? Uh, Jersey has one. Jersey. I, I know what it is. Okay. Well, they used to have White Castle commercials where they were claymation. Those were done by Jeff Smith and his his old team that he the company he was a part of. He was a partner. Oh, really? Yeah, no, right. And yeah. I remember those all the time and then I just remember they kind of stopped. And the reason why is that, and it's very vague in the documentary and even if you read up on him, it's kind of vague what happened, but he left to do his own thing, yeah. which is, you, you commend him for, but some of the older interviews, there's some bitterness there and they don't ever really touch well, it. Oh, yeah, usually you, <laughs> yeah. when usually someone something's vague, that means some bad stuff happened and no one's, not, no one's really going to tell you what happened. Well, right. And I just feel like, and then, <laughs> but then they have interviews with the personnel and it's like, oh, Jeff is fantastic. You know, we love him. And I'm just like, well, okay, there's, what? But again, that's that's their right as a documenter and as a storyteller to craft the story the way. Right. But sometimes I, I just was like, like, oh, I mean, I don't want to get depressing with it, but I mean, interesting. Because <laughs> I, because you always do wonder, like, because, you know, creative forces at work, they are, they're always, they're always changing. And how does that, you know, I mean, obviously it wasn't fulfilling for Jeff, but was there some other stuff too that maybe he wanted to take on a different work or, and then if not, he left or, you know, just stuff like that. It's always fascinating to me. Um, yeah, maybe he moved on and just was time to say goodbye. Yeah. I mean, and that could be it. And that was the, that was the bitterness. Well then, then that's, I mean, that it is what it is, but I don't know. I always feel like there's, there's always, you know, as a big fan of the Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird had a huge fallout and yeah, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're slowly like chummy. Now they'll hang out together at con or like, well, AKA if you come to Peter, it was, it was about money. Wasn't it about money? Right. It's very vague. How to handle the property. It's how to handle the property mixed with, um, I know like, for example, he, him and Peter, Kevin and Peter swore they would never do a female turtle. And then Kevin did next mutation with a female turtle and, and that upset Peter. And then, and that's what I'm saying. There's other things too, like that they started gnawing at each other. Like, you know, they have very different ways of telling the story, which is ironic because, you know, I feel like some of the best stuff is when it was Peter and Kevin working together. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um, and cause you can tell which ones is Peter and which one is Kevin. Cause Peter's is very yep. wordy, almost too wordy, like a Star Trek episode. Kevin is too much <laughs> action and the stories, yep. the plot's good, but in the layout's fantastic, but maybe the words not so much. And this is my opinion, my opinion, of course. And they were good. So they were better as a team. Yeah. 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 Matter of fact, uh, one of my Balancing favorite layouts ever, if you get a chance to reread it is Leonardo number one, the layout of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. If, it, it's cause it's, a, it's, it's almost like a movie and it's very subliminal and at the bottom of every page you cut back to what's going on with the turtles and april's apartment while the top half is leonardo where he's um for those who've not read it it's kind of following the Raphael plot line of the first movie where he's being chased by the foot clan and then uh, the twist is in the comic book they've killed shredder in the first issue and then shredder shows back up and then it's the same thing like the movie leonardo gets thrown through the window and the book ends with he's back the shredder he's returned and that kind of thing but it's very like you're not 
stop paying attention to it. And I remember they talked about that in some art class I took in college, and it's like it's very subliminal. Eastman Laird did this, and I was like, holy shit! Yeah, it's bottom. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, yeah. To get back to Rocky and Boinkle, because I'm smooth like that. Do you do anything like that at all? Like when you plot out the book with the script, where you have certain things. I mean, uh, especially if it's jumping back from Boris and Natasha at certain times. I mean, from what I've seen, there's not too much opportunity for that necessarily. But is that something mm-hmm. you think about when you go through that, or like a flashback, or what do you well, mean? Well, like a- uh, no, no. Just like um, so, like the characters are in one spot. Just the pacing of how the panels lay out over time. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I um, so I yeah, I call it like looking at the whole composition of the page. I do that a lot. If, if there's any art nerds out there, if you look at some of my pages, you'll see a nice balance of Boris within the within the layout of the page because I draw him as sort of as a solid black silhouette. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of negative, like, that's a lot of dark space to kind of balance out with some of the other artwork. Um, yeah, I do my best to do a nice kind of. You'll see a lot of flow with my stuff, and yeah, definitely look at Boris, Boris's placement within a page because he's you know it's like a solid black color. Yeah, and that was always hard about the that. original. The original animation was like that too. He was just big black. Well, not not blah, but you know, I mean, he's very. I mean, there was barely yeah, no, any. He really is though. Like I, his so his arms are sometimes in the side view, and his arms within his black, you know, like the black mm-hmm. square of his body. And I have to throw in a couple lines to indicate where it is or what the motion he's in, which is kind of tricky. You have to find a nice balance. You don't want it too too highlighted. It has to sort of be like a highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also fun because I wouldn't want to draw him any other way. Oh uh, yeah, because he he looks so cool like that. So to me, it's like yeah, he's got his kind of like uh, you know he's a spy. You know he basically you know what Boris is wearing right. Boris is basically wearing a spy versus spy outfit. Oh yeah, it's a it's a black like trench coat. It's a black trench coat and like a brimmed hat with two points in the top. And it, like I was like, so when I started drawing, I was like, oh my god, this is like the spy versus spy outfit. I never thought of it. He's a classic spy character, so that's what, I, that really fits him. I'm curious because I don't actually have the art of Jay Ward. I'm always curious uh, about who, like, did Alex Anderson design Boris and Natasha? I'm, I'm always curious about that. That's one of the things that you know what I have to actually look that up. I didn't. I didn't do my research. No, oh no, I've I, I didn't. Hear, and I don't think it's not really mentioned in Keith Scott's book either. The Moose that Roared. I, it's because it's kind of vague. Like the only thing we know for sure is Alex Anderson did the original designs for was it the Frostbite Falls review or something like that. And because they all that right. picture, it's everywhere. It's like the fox, the wolf, the squirrel, right. the moose, and all that. But Boris and Natasha came on afterwards when they when Bill Scott and all of them kind of reshaped it to become Rocky and Boink. Well, Rocky and Friends. So right, um, yeah. yeah, so I, I, that's that's always interesting, and and I love it too because Can you imagine, I would love to I would love to see the very first drawing of them just oh, to see what it looked like. Oh my god, yeah, because if, if you remember if it that, exists somewhere, that first episode is very uh, with with Boris, and or the first few are very rough. They don't even they don't even look anything like how Boris is done now, or even yeah. And Natasha was very strange. I think she was wearing like a green dress. I forget, but she looked very odd. Yeah. They're all very misshapen. There was no there's no actual form to them yet. Right, which or is formula. They're almost yeah, like say. black. Uh, it's like yeah, they never showed their legs too much. They were always like vamped up. I know this is a <laughs> poor wording, but they vamped up into the screen. So even though Boris is shorter than Natasha, he always yeah. seemed the same height because they just it's like his whole body was stretching up to meet hers, and then only yeah. the mouth was moving. It, well, back then it was using Hoppity Hooper. Uh, no, no, no. Crusader Rabbit-like animation, which was very basic. Like, move only what you got to. <laughs> 
which is cool and is part of the charm, of course. But and also that that poor studio in Mexico had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> yep, yep. You know the other thing too. Like I told you, I talked about earlier about the charm of the show with yeah. all the different models, the characters, and the color. So part of the thing too is remember, you know, they were on TV as TVs were developing. You know, oh yeah, from you know what are black and white. Some people didn't have color set yet and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So everyone's actual sort of first taking in of Rocky and Bullwinkle is, you know, they were all off color. They were all off model. And it's just through, through the means of, you know, the way the media they were being presented in. And I, it made me think because, you know, so I did my comic and I used the Pantones I was supposed to use. And then I, for my backgrounds and stuff, I actually, you know, referenced a lot of the old TV backgrounds that I could find online or that I had on video. You know, I actually, sometimes I install some colors just to get it right. You know, because with Photoshop, you can ink drop any, yep. you know, any mm-hmm. JPEG you have. So that that's a fun thing to do to get the right palette to get that sense of um, the classic look. Well, so then I did, I was trying to promo my stuff on Instagram and I took a, I took some like close-up shots of the comic work and then I ran through some of the filters and I ran through a filter until to me it looked like what it would have looked like on TV in standard definition. <laughs> so it oh, altered wow. the colors enough to look and I was like, wow, this, this is another way to develop a palette. I was like, I could take the artwork, adjust it with a filter and then have a whole new like set of uh, color palettes I could dab them. I was like, it just was funny to me to actually change the using a filter filter to actually make it look like the, the kind of crappy, you know, in a good way, crappy way we'd eat on TV back, you know, back in the day. Oh, man. No. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, that's so cool because that's always interesting, right? Because they look a certain way and they look sometimes not better, but not better. But like it's it's very interesting how they look in sepia tones and in different like filters. Yeah. It makes them look classic. Well, instance, so w- one of the fil- one of the filters was a picture of Boris and Tasha and I filtered it, right? And they made the backgrounds look just like they did on the TV. Like for some reason, it retro. It made it the retro fitted the color in the correct way. But what it did was it turned Natasha's dress from purple to almost maroon or burgundy. And I was like, oh, oh my god! You know, I've actually seen them use that maroon and burgundy in some of her design over the years. You know, mm-hmm. or somewhere I saw her actually in a maroon dress or a green dress. And I was yeah. like, it's funny because it was probably just the crappy TVs we all watched. <laughs> Oh, well, and I will say this, which is really nice about the, the DVD releases. They're high def HD. Well, considering yeah. they're just normal DVD, which mean like, cause we all have flat, everyone have mostly has flat screens now. It, it takes up yeah. the whole screen. And I don't know if maybe they did fit the screen on it, but I mean, it looks beautiful. It doesn't look like it wasn't originally in three, four or whatever format and they, they stretched it out. It looks like it was always meant that way, which, which oh, is. Oh, they not. did do. Okay. That's good to know. Well, uh, well, you grew up watching Nickelodeon. Do you remember Musarama? Born Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would do that, I think, up until 7 to 8 or 8 to 9, whenever it went into uh, Nickel- oh Nick God, and Night. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. That's how yeah. I watched Rocky and Boinkle. And we didn't have, we had VCRs, but, you know, I didn't have one in my no, room. No, that's how I, how I saw it, too. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, but, and then Cartoon Network had the Adventures of Rocky and Boinkle, but I remember they had the original logos and all that. I mean, it wasn't Rocky and his friends. They had, yeah, like, Yeah, it was the older. Yeah. And I, I, for example, I know in some of the artwork that you've talked about, like, uh, I think it's page three or page, page two. You, it looks like you have a mountain from one of the openings where Rocky starts off at the top of the mountain, but it's in Pottsylvania. <laughs> uh, it, so it's yeah. very much reminiscent of that. I just remember they had that. Weird... Oh, yeah. I made that look just like it. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. That was one of my favorite things. It had the little dotted line for where the country was. 
Oh, yeah. You know, people <laughs> give a lot of crap to the movie, and I feel like it's, it is such a Rocky and Boinkle movie, though. Like, especially that opening where it's like the Iron Curtain fell, and you just see the big wall, and it just falls on top of everybody. <laughs> and, and then you just hear the audience, the, their hands stick up, yay. It's just, I feel it's such a Bill Scott I hear, I hear a lot of the same feedback, that people have seen the movie, and they're not, they're not, it wasn't their favorite. But then, but then they always follow that up with, but they did get this right. They did do this. Yes. So they did, you know, there was something about it that really screamed Rocky Mountain, which, so they did okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people, they fail to realize. And also, th- this is the weird thing, too. I, the, the old show, which was considered amazing writing at the time, and I still think it, it's still good, but, I mean, in ter- it's terms of how media is processed back then, puns were considered top-level witty entertainment, and now they're considered dad <laughs> jokes um, yep, yep. or groaners. So, and when that's what Rocky and Boinkle, for the most part, is. I mean, and again, the jokes always go to Boris and Natasha, while the bad, 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 bad puns go to Rocky and Boinkle. You have this weird... Um, and I don't think I think people forget that for some reason, and I don't I don't know why because George the Jungle was both, and it does the same yeah. exact thing, and everyone still thinks that movie's the beat. I mean, I'd like it too, but like it's like, but they did the same. Th- Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, like I give credit to the writer again, Todd Livingston, for the scripts for these comics. When I like I said when I first read them, I was so impressed. And I loved that he even got the pun titles correct. Like, you know, when they end part one, we go to part two. They have two titles. Oh yeah. Stay tuned next time for Campaign Reliever or, yeah. Yep, uh, yep, yeah, or Dictator Tops. You know, like, because he had some really <laughs> funny ones, and, and they were great. And the, same with the sec- second episode, sort of like a Halloween, you know, haunted house type of vibe. And I think it was like, stay tuned next for uh, Seller's Remorse. But they're perfect. You know, oh, man. You know, like, he he got them right. Or, in, you know, Building Inspectors it was the other one. <laughs> so, like, he, I was like, oh, he did the, he had the writing and the jokes are on point. And then he got the, the, um, the pun titles correct. I was like, this is perfect. Oh, and, and those... And- Here's the thing: puns are hard, man. They're really hard. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be clever with puns. You got you got, and that I mean that's the one thing I think that Bill Scott did so well, and he could do it off the top of his head. If I ever write anything and there's a pun in it, I have to just kind of like <laughs> put pun here and just move on. And then if I come back yeah. to it, I, I have to kind of stare at the screen and think about it for a bit. And then it's like it's like it, it's it's literally, and this is it, it's bad. It's like Matt trying to blow your nose and nothing's coming out, and then you struck gold. <laughs> and I know that's a horrible way to say it, but it's the only thing I can think of that. That sounds rather more decent than anything else. Where it's just like you're trying really hard to get it out, and boom, there it is. And you're like, oh, yay! My nose isn't stuffed anymore. In this case, it's a beautiful pun. Oh, that was a bad example. But you, metaphors, people, metaphors. There you metaphors, go. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Tonight on the podcast, we talked about boogers and and moose, uh, and we covered it thoroughly. And we covered it thoroughly. <laughs> oh, that could have another meaning in itself. Um, <laughs> boom! Yeah, but your very first panel, I love that Pennsylvania. That cracks me up because that's exactly like the the original show. So yeah, you guys need to out there need so, to buy Rocky and Boinkle at your comic book store, or you can go to AmericanMythology.com yep. to get it, it. I think too. I think you can yep. order it from there. And uh, and I know I know Comicsology has a good uh, digital version of it too. Oh, does okay. But yeah, go to the AmericanMythology.net and go to the shop button. They have um, all the Rocky Bull Link and all the Pink Panther stuff there to, to buy. Yeah, the digital version looks good too. If you don't want the physical copy, but um, get the physical copy because it's so much great to have it in print. That's that's awesome. What was yeah. your Instagram? My Instagram is at J A Greenawalt and G R E E N A W A L T. 
Uh, and I post, which is fun about that is you'll see snippets of sketches and stuff before an issue comes out. Ooh. You know, that doesn't reveal too much, but you know, sometimes there's some fun, you know, ahead of the behind the scenes stuff that's ahead of time, which is kind of cool. Um, actually, I, I have one more question for you about Rocky and Boinkle, sure. uh, before we, before we wrap this up. And what's the note process like from DreamWorks and, and, and Ward Productions? What's, what's that like? Well, th- there's a lot. It's kind of like working for two people. So two people are in control of the process. So they each have their, their changes. What's interesting about that is that you're dealing with two two sets of people. Well, like I yep, don't yep. think Fritz Freeling or any of those guys really run Pink Panther necessarily anymore. It's you know what I mean. Whoever owns that brand, well, Pink Panther is MGM Studios. Is MGM, but I don't. Do you ha- did you have to deal with the the Freeling camp or anything like their what's left of Fritz Freeling Studios or or is it just no? When MGM I do people? Pink, when I do yeah, when I do Pink Panther, it's just MGM. So they see that's who controls the that's brand interesting there. to me that the Wards still have some kind of say in that, which is which is nice. It means that they're still watching over their dad stuff. Which yeah, I like that too. I was surprised to hear it, but I was like, oh, that's really, I mean, that was great. To, well, to me, it was like, oh, well, I'm ecstatic that the people at Jay Ward are seeing my work. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm happy to work on this property, yeah. Oh, definitely. So, whatever jakemakes.blogspot.com, you can also check out his Instagram. And what was that one more time for Instagram? It was... Uh, the Instagram is at, at J.A. Greenwald. Greenwald. And then uh, your yeah. Twitter, I think, if you want to follow him on there, is Jacob underscore G underscore artist, correct? Yep, yep. Okay. And there's also a whatever Jake makes animation Facebook page. Oh, okay, cool. But sometimes there's videos on there and stuff too. Uh, I'll yeah, say, cool. I'm mildly, I'm mildly prepared, not fully prepared. I'm mildly prepared. <laughs> um, but well, hey, I you can check it out later, and hopefully some other people will check it out. You know, oh, love to hear feedback. Definitely, man. Well, thank you so much for taking time to do this. This was a lot of fun and really insightful. Uh, and uh, the new issue will be coming out within the next month or so. Um, and you can get uh, yep. past issues. You can get them online at American Mythology. Their Twitter handle, because yep. I'm looking at it right now, is American Mytho. So there are definitely links yep. in there, or you can buy it digitally from Comicsology, which I might do some double dipping so I can read. Because I, I completely, yep, yep. well, I used to have an iPad Mini, and I like to read them on there like that. But my iPad Mini got lost years ago, and so I lost my Marvel Unlimited subscription. I know, wah wah wah. Oh no! Uh, first, first, <laughs> first world problems, man. But yeah, yeah. But, and it's um, and their website is AmericanMythology.net. Oh, so dot net. Oh no, yeah, dot good. Net is important, so I always yes. make sure to mention it. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's good. Thank you for mentioning it because I. Probably like AmericanMythology.com, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then <laughs> I don't know like, where that'll. Yeah, where, where, where will that take you? Uh, and just a weird note. Uh, I remember someone on the Facebook group mentioned American mythology, and it's like it's not mythology; it's a real thing that happened. This is fake I news. I was just like, what? No, no, no. And then, and then the one guy, John, was like, no, no, no. That's the name of the comic group that's releasing the books. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Yeah, um, you know, you know, people start they start storming off on comments before they read everything. Oh yeah, but, very, yeah. Very sad. Very Fake news, fake news. So, uh, exactly. <laughs> all right. News. Well, thank you so much, Jacob, for talking to us. It was a lot of fun. And uh, again, check out Rocky and Boinkle and the Pink Panther, American Mythology, and check out all his links. And for more links directly, if you're lazy like me, I will put all his links. I'll put all the links in in the in the notes. That way, you can you can be lazy like me, and I'm going to help you out. Help excellent. me to help you. So, so excellent, excellent, Smith is excellent. So check that out. And thanks again, Jacob. I appreciate it. Anytime, man. I'll do I'll do it anytime. All right. Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time again, you son of cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy 